0: We interrupt this broadcast with some important news Let's rewind and check out the biggest news stories from this week It's time 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 for Taiwan This Week
1: Good evening and welcome to Taiwan This Week with me, your host, Gavin Phipps I'm joined this evening by Taipei-based journalist, Ralph Jennings
0: Hi, Gavin, thanks for having me
1: And regular commentator, Ross Feingold Good evening And we will jump straight in with the Central Epidemic Command Centre on Thursday announcing that it's extending the nationwide Level 3 coronavirus alert but easing some regulations to allow more social activities. Health Minister Chen Shih-jong says the current Level 3 alert will be maintained for at least another two weeks because there is still a risk of community infections. However, the minister says some of the restrictions on daily and social activities will be eased from next Tuesday. That will see the resumption of on-site restaurant dining, but seating arrangements must adhere to social distancing regulations and plastic shields need to be set up between tables. Customers are suggested to limit their on-site dining at restaurants to at least one hour per person, and they'll be required to wear face masks at all times, except of course when they're actually eating. Some scenic spots and facilities such as libraries and museums will also be permitted to reopen if social distancing regulations are observed and people wear face masks at all times. Sports centres golf courses and gyms will also reopen with social distancing and mask wearing mandated. But showers will remain closed and the rental of personal equipment will not be allowed. Swimming pools will also remain closed but as will beaches and mountain lodges and other types of recreational venues where mask rules cannot easily be imposed such as KTVs, bars, nightclubs and dance halls will also remain closed. Now the decision to ease some regulations comes as the Daily tally of new coronavirus cases has been falling in recent weeks and the health minister this week has been using phrases such as the outbreak is continuing to follow a stable trend so ross the outbreak is following a stable trend restaurants can reopen but you have to limit the time you go there but of course beaches will remain closed and more importantly golf courses will be open
2: Uh, well some of these restrictions sound rather onerous, it's not going to make for a pleasant experience to try and uh, go to a gym or eat in a restaurant with with, uh, the restrictions that are are going to apply. With with the relatively low case count, uh, it's pretty obvious that these officials are trying to err on the side of caution. Uh, They don't want to open up all the way. Uh, even though, again, the, the low case count, I mean, it would be envious for many other places around the world that I think they would uh, allow for uh, an opening up uh, without these kinds of restrictions. Uh, so, you know, uh, just like we've had to adjust to restrictions over the past uh, you know, four or five weeks, you know, we'll see what happens with with these restrictions. But, you know, uh, on the other hand. If the case count continues to drop, then they might have to do away with these restrictions even after a couple of weeks as well, uh, unless they plan to keep them longer, uh, even with a low case count, and try and make this semi permanent, which, in my opinion, I think is not justified uh, and certainly would be very frustrating.
0: I have a suspicion that it will be semi permanent. I believe that the caseloads now are on the border of stage three, stage two, according to the actual guidelines that they came out with back in early May, Uh, there was the one, two, three, four stages. And I think that we're, if we're not in the two territory now, we're very close to it. And technically they should be knocking things back to that level. The fact that they're not going to, yes, it indicates extreme caution. It also indicates that there's a widespread public acceptance of the way things are. People would love to go out and do things and socialize again, but they're also really scared. The government understands that. The government has figured out how to pay off a lot of the business people who are suffering from it. And um, there's not really that much, perhaps, organic demand um, for libraries and dining out and such things. So, um, And I think perhaps the government at another level should be getting people useless because even though caseloads are low now, in every other Asian country that has had a single major outbreak, it always comes back. There's always wave two, there's always wave three and four. You look at Vietnam, you look at Hong Kong, you look at Malaysia, same thing everywhere. You can't beat it.
2: Well, of course, there's also you know, serious political calculations here. One, they don't want to get it wrong and, and have political risks, so uh, That's why they err on the side of caution. But also there's this issue of... The referendums, which have been delayed uh, until later in the year, but uh, keeping these restrictions in place obviously makes it more difficult for the referendum organizers to uh, make their case to the public to support these referendums that the government disagrees with. not, Not that I'm hinting there's a political conspiracy here, Gavin.
1: No, I think the more important thing is we don't all get sick and possibly die. But in a more serious note, Ross, I mean, do you see restaurants suddenly having an influx of on-site diners? Or do you think that people will be erring on the side of caution and maybe still getting takeouts in their favorite joints?
2: I think people will try this out. Uh, again, it's going to be frustrating, I think, for a lot a lot of diners. It's not, it's not going to be for everyone. Uh, I, I wouldn't find it enjoyable to... Yeah, have a big plastic partition and be rushed, rushed out of the restaurant quickly. Uh, so, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I think people are going to try it. Uh, you know, certainly younger people uh, might be more willing to try it. Uh, that's understandable uh, than maybe older folks. Uh, but, so uh, I think we'll see restaurants offering it. Uh, they won't get the regular foot traffic. Uh, so it- it'll be a mix.
1: And, of course, you can play golf, but you can't go to the beach.
2: Well, that's pretty weird in the summer, right? I, uh, there was an interesting uh, piece of news earlier in the week that uh, a small group of, of folks were, were on a pleasure craft, a boat. Uh, they were offshore, but they were without masks, right? <laughs> I think one news report I saw said that they, they did have masks as they departed the um, the marina. People witnessed them wearing masks. Uh, But once they got outside or or sorry, you know, beyond beyond the marina, uh, they were having fun uh, and uh, someone spotted them without masks and they're going to get fined for that. Uh, You know, is that is that really uh, required by the science or the medicine? Arguably not. I think the same would apply for some of the the, the restrictions that are still going to be in place, including, oh, well, you know, the beach won't be open. But I mean, look, Gavin. Uh, you know, Ralph probably has similar experience in recent days. I mean, I was on the, the MRT yesterday. It was relatively crowded versus previous days, uh, probably because the case count is low and people are confident or less worried about taking public transport. Uh, this was around rush hour in the evening. And, and uh, you know, we were packed in there pretty tightly. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, we have the contact tracing when you take the MRT, but, but that's it. Well, why is that safe? And, and you're saying, well, we can't go to do all these other places or the restaurant restrictions or the beach restrictions. Uh, there, there's a bit of a, a, a mishmash or mismatch in some of these measures or, you know, it just doesn't match the science.
1: Uh, Ralph matching the science, Ralph packed MRTs, but can't go to the beach.
0: I think the government is just simply picking and choosing activities that, it feels comfortable with. You look at golf, it's a it's a, a stayed uh, scripted elite sort of a sport, at least per the stereotype. And, and then you look at beaches, it's kind of a, a dysregulated, chaotic kind of situation. Lots of young people. They could be doing anything or everything. Um, The MRT has always gotten away with things because it's considered an essential service. People have to go from place to place to place to get to work or to go shopping, so you can't really shut that down. Although they could cut back the number of trains, although if they did that, then people would pack on the remaining trains. So I think it comes down to what's essential and what the government is really comfortable with.
1: I mean, Will you be going to a restaurant, though, Ralph, in the coming couple of weeks?
0: Uh, no, I'm gonna be on the road for the couple of coming weeks, but I, nor, otherwise I would. Yeah, I like going out. Um, you know, it's it's a good way to socialize. You know, I've, I've had people over at my flat, but then we're limited to five people. Some people feel a little skittish about it because, you know, they don't normally go to people's homes and they worry about if they're gonna contaminate you, if you're gonna contaminate them. So the restaurant still feels like a better meeting place.
1: Even with plastic dividers and sort of you gotta rush out the restaurant really quickly.
0: Yeah, a lot of places have a 90-minute limit anyway, so cut me down to 60, I'll eat fast and get out. And, Ross,
1: any any plans to go to a restaurant, your favorite eater in the coming weeks, or will you still be getting takeaway?
2: No, as as long as, uh, Gavin, you're treating, uh, I'd be happy to go to the restaurant, uh, because I'd like to see how you react when they try to rush us out uh, (laughs) within a fixed period of time.
1: (laughs) Anyway, moving on now. Another shipment of AstraZeneca coronavirus vaccine purchased directly from the British pharmaceutical company arrived in Taiwan on Wednesday. The latest batch contains 629,000 doses and arrived at Taoyuan International Airport on a China Airlines cargo flight from Bangkok. According to the Central Epidemic Command Centre, AstraZeneca vaccine is packaged in multiple dose forms with each vial containing 10 doses and it has an expiration date of October the 30th. The shipment is part of a 10 million dose purchasing contract signed with AstraZeneca directly last year. Meanwhile, a shipment of 1.13 million AstraZeneca coronavirus vaccine doses donated by Japan also arrived in Taiwan on Thursday. And that's the second such donation in recent weeks. The vaccines are being reserved for people aged between 50 and 64 and for those between the ages of 18 and 64 who suffer from serious conditions that put them at risk of severe coronavirus infections. The 1.13 million vaccine doses donated by Japan were developed by AstraZeneca and manufactured under license while well, in Japan. Meanwhile, Germany's top envoy in Taiwan this week told national news agency CNA that his government has tried to facilitate Taiwan's procurement of vaccine doses from BioNTech since early this year. Thomas Prince, the Director General of the German Institute in Taipei, is being cited as saying that his government intervened several times in Taiwan's negotiations with BioNTech on the procurement of coronavirus vaccine after the process stalled in January. Prince says that his government contacted BioNTech and asked the company to do its best to include the deal with Taiwan's government. Now, Taiwan has to date taken delivery of about 7 million doses of AstraZeneca and Moderna vaccine from Japan and the United States, vaccine manufacturers, and via the COVAX sharing initiative. And approximately 2.89 million doses of coronavirus vaccines have been administered here, with 12.12% of the population having received at least one of their shots. Now, President Tsai Ing-wen this week touted the government's goal of between 20 to 25 percent coronavirus vaccine coverage by the end of this month. Now, according to Tsai, such coverage will greatly help epidemic prevention efforts and everyone should get vaccinated to both improve herd immunity and allow for a return to normal lives. Now, experts have said that Taiwan needs to vaccinate at least 60 percent of its population to achieve herd immunity and safely reopen to the outside world. And figures show that Taiwan has currently received fewer than six million doses of vaccines but needs around 30 million doses to meet the experts standards for reopening so ralph more coronavirus vaccines donated from japan and purchased directly from astrazeneca arrived this week
0: yeah i think that's the things are moving in the right direction i realize that may and june were really chaotic the government took a lot of heat for not having the vaccines and in the meantime we had these hyped up news reports about people dying and other side effects which can be true but they're not usually true so Taiwan is showing signs of really getting on the right track. Twelve uh, percent doesn't seem like a big number, but it's bigger than it was, and so you figure things keep moving along that that at that pace. It could be 25 percent at the end of July, and then it's um, you know 40 months later, and things will happen. Um, I think ultimately, perhaps the the, the only setback would be people's hesitation to do it. And I don't mean for political reasons the way it is in the States sometimes, but it's because they're afraid that the vaccine will be will cause side effects. It won't be effective um, or, you know, yeah, it could even kill you or something like that. So so you'll have those holdouts. But I think eventually we'll, we'll reach that 60 percent and it, it could be like the end of the year.
1: And Ross, a 60 percent big number or achievable by the end of the year?
2: Well, it's achievable if the government uh, continues to uh, receive either donations as if Taiwan is some kind of poor uh, country uh, or if it's able to successfully purchase. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned that some of the vaccines which arrived are the result of. Uh, Purchases And that takes us back to the comments from from the German representative. Uh, I don't think it's accurate, Gavin, to say that the German government intervened. What he said was, we made some helpful phone calls, or we tried to be helpful, so we did call the NT. But he he reiterated what he wrote in a Facebook post uh, a few weeks earlier, that this is a commercial matter between the Taiwan government. And BNT. And he also didn't say, Gavin, that China interfered. He said he hoped that there's no political interference, but he didn't say that China was interfering with with Taiwan's purchase. Look, ultimately, the the uh, reason why the government took heed, as Ralph described it in in May and June, was they were very slow to buy vaccines. Uh, They're saying that China interfered, but they've offered uh, no proof of that. Uh, and uh, we also know that uh, to the real story here and probably what will get us to that 60 percent level is the government's hope that the locally made vaccines will be uh, approved for use uh, very quickly. Uh, and that's why they were slow in purchasing. They didn't want to get stuck spending a lot of money on uh, uh, foreign manufactured vaccines, which are uh, a lot more money than the locally made product. Uh, So they they didn't move quickly to buy. Other countries uh, did sign contracts and and were were, were able to acquire vaccines. and uh, you know, we we all know that's what happened. I certainly hope that journalists like Ralph will bring that to a wider audience uh, as well. Uh, but that's really still what the situation is. This hope that the locally made vaccine uh, will will really make up the balance to get us to that 60 percent soon. So you don't think Beijing was
1: playing some game in the background?
2: With who? With with, with BNT or, or... With purchasing AD vaccines? Or, with Biden? Well show us the proof it's pretty simple you can't just keep saying it or having government spokespeople send out tweets and then
0: not offer any proof of this i don't think the government will attempt to prove something they can't prove they've made these wayward comments about foreign influence influence or possible chinese intervention but they've never pinned it down and they don't think they're going to they just hope that will distract the public and think oh my god the enemy is going after us again in this way and if it sticks for a while to get people's mind you know, riveted away from criticizing the government, then they'll do it again if they need to. But they'll never come up with more proof if there isn't any. And I don't know if there is or not. If if, if there is, then perhaps Taiwan doesn't even know about it yet.
1: <laughs> well, of course, there's been much said about the AstraZeneca vaccine with people maybe in Taiwan not wanting the AstraZeneca vaccine over other vaccines, maybe Moderna and Johnson & Johnson.
0: Yeah, I think that there's a significant amount of criticism of the vaccine itself because of the the success rate and some of the side effects, and those are valid concerns. Um, there, you know, there's some vaccine envy all over the world, not only in Taiwan. It's better to have Pfizer, it's better to have Moderna, um, but not everybody can get it. And you look around the world at people who don't have it; they're still taking the vaccines. In a lot of Southeast Asia, they're stuck with Sinopharm and Sinovac, and they're taking it. It might not work but it's better than not having any
1: and what about the chinese vaccine ross i mean obviously the government's not going to bring it in but there have been obviously local governments have asked have sent a letter to the central government saying can we get vaccines like you're allowing terry gore to buy vaccines
2: i think it's a non-starter in the near term or perhaps forever that the chinese vaccines will be approved for use, uh, besides legal and regulatory uh, hurdles for that, I I think there's just a public perception that it's an inferior product. Uh, Even if uh, it was available, I think the public would be very reluctant to take it. Uh, The outside chance it were to be approved because Uh, It's proven safe and effective in numerous other countries uh, so that there's there's a lack of a medical or scientific justification to prohibit it. I think by the time that happens, you know, it's it's sufficiently far off into the future that uh, uh, other vaccines would be more widely available in Taiwan uh, so that, again, to, there's not going to be much public demand. We also know that a small, it really should be emphasized, a relatively small number of people from Taiwan ha- have gone to China. People go to China for business reasons uh, still, um, and uh, you know, they've gotten vaccinated there, and that's included some high-profile people as well who bragged about it on the internet, uh, but again, the, the numbers are, are relatively small, so although we see uh, periodic news stories about vaccine uh, tourism to the United States, including Guam, uh, the, you know, the number of stories that, that are floating around for that, that kind of activity to China are, are really far less.
1: And we have to take a short break now, but we will return after these rather important commercials. And welcome back to Taiwan this week. Now we were talking about with Ross there, about people leaving the island to get vaccinated and this week a charter plane carrying 164 passengers flew to Guam on Tuesday morning on what was the first vaccination tourism flight to the US territory from Taiwan, where coronavirus vaccines are being offered to travellers under a new program. Now the Ever Airways flight was the first on the Taipei to Guam route since 2017 and local travel agency Lion travel said that some 73% of the travelers on Tuesday's flights were people under the age of 50 most of whom were taking advantage of Guam's vaccination and vaccination program. A spokesperson for the travel agency said many of the passengers opted to take advantage of Guam's Air v v program because of Taiwan's vaccine rollout has not reached their age category yet Lion Travel says 97% of the passengers on the flight were aiming to get vaccinated with about 38% of them opting for the Moderna vaccine for Pfizer, 23% for the Johnson & Johnson jab. Now, according to Lion Travel, all of its five-day tour packages to Guam on July the 6th, the 10th, the 14th, and the 18th are now sold out, while a 22-day tour that begins on July the 22nd is 80% books. And so, Ross, flying to Guam for a vaccine jab.
2: I I think this will just be a short-term thing. I mean, certainly the... The, the cost may, puts it out of reach for a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people still have work. Young, younger people obviously don't have school, uh, but whether or not their parents will let them go on their own is another issue. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this is like another one of those things that get, that's going to get, you know, a momentary uh, large amount of news coverage. But I, I think ultimately the number of people who who do this or take this 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 route are, is going to be relatively small. Uh, it's certainly not going to address uh, Taiwan's need or, or uh, you know, the, the challenges Taiwan still has to reaching that 60% uh, number. So it'll just be a momentary thing. I mean, for Guam, hopefully, uh, it turns into a, a long term post pandemic. Uh, you know, desire by more people from Taiwan to to fly there uh, you know, in years past. It was a popular destination for travelers f- from Taiwan. Uh, you know, there are other options for similar activities around the region. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess over time kind of lost its allure. People going to places in uh, Southeast Asia, Okinawa. Uh, but uh, I, I think over time, we're not going to hear much about this. Do you
1: think it will disappear after the 22-day trip as far materialized on July, July the 22nd?
2: Well, again, it's, it's just, it's expensive. Uh, you got to hang around there for a while. If you're going to get the second dose, uh, there'll be more vaccines available here in Taiwan over time. And that time frame is is probably not that far off. Uh, the yeah, you know, so I, I just don't see this as something that is more than a momentary. Like, oh, that you know, that that's interesting. Uh, go, go get on the plane, uh, son, or yeah, uh, you know, if a parent wants to uh, spend the money. Uh, but I, I don't see large numbers of people doing this. And of course, Ralph,
1: not only have you got to spend time in Guam when you come back to Taiwan, you've got two weeks of quarantine to go
0: through. Yeah, and I was going to say prior to addressing that that I know anecdotally of quite a few Taiwanese who have gone to the continental U.S. for the same reason, because they are um, they have money, somebody in the family, if not everybody, has a U.S. permit of some kind, whether it's a passport or a green card, and the kids are off school now, so they come over, they can spend six weeks to two months, get the vaccines, and go back. Um, it's not a huge number, as Ross said. It won't really make a dent in the overall vaccination rate among Taiwanese, and uh, when you go back, yes, you got to do a really wicked quarantine. My understanding now is it's every person per room. There's no more home quarantine. Uh, even uh, you know children who are in their like young teens need to sit in their own room. I don't know how they're going to do that uh, for 14 days. Uh, any human contact except for somebody in a face shield who comes in and delivers meals, and you got to pay for it all in addition to your your trip overseas.
1: So the people taking this trip are not your regular working Joes
0: then. No, these are the, perhaps not the super, super rich, but the kinds of people who send their kids to the nice private schools. Somebody in the family probably has a pile of real estate or they made money on widgets in the 80s and, you know, pass it on to their, their you know, family for a couple of generations after that. They can afford it, at least uh, in terms of money. And I guess they can afford it in terms of time as well during the summer break. Uh,
2: which goes to another important point that uh, – I think the government wants to avoid or limit the amount of discussion about why aren't there more vaccines available here in Taiwan. So they're imposing the quarantine requirement on, on people who are returning who've been vaccinated. Uh, again, you could debate whether or not the science justifies that or necessitates that. But it, it certainly will put... Uh, Uh, downward pressure on on the take-up rate to do this because, you know, for the reasons we've been discussing, not just cost, time, quarantine in in a quarantine hotel when you return home, you know, it's going to be one more, this quarantine requirement, it's going to be one more factor that people are going to consider. And some people will then decide it's not worth the hassle of doing this uh, so they won't go. And then uh, you have fewer people walking around Taiwan saying, uh, I flew to Guam, and you didn't, and I got vaccinated, and you didn't. So you, you, by, by imposing these restrictions, even if they might not be necessary, you, you reduce the number of people who are going to do it, and uh, you maintain some fundamental fairness in Taiwan society because uh, you limit the number of people who are flying overseas to, to get a vaccine, as ridiculous as all of this might sound. <laughs>
1: Anyway, while Taiwan is waiting for more vaccines and a small number of people are popping off overseas to get a jab, a new online system for scheduling coronavirus vaccine appointments has now been accepting registrations for eligible recipients nationwide. The move follows a trial run for two days on Jingmen, Matsu and Penghu. Now the government originally planned to limit registration to people in categories 9 and 10 on its vaccine priority list. However, Minister Without Portfolio Audrey Tang said that it was decided to also accept registration for people aged 65 and over after receiving feedback from public and local governments. Now according to Tung people who register for the system, meet the age requirements and are willing to receive the AstraZeneca vaccine will receive a text message next week from the government's 1922 hotline notifying them when they can make an appointment. Now a trial of the system's appointment scheduling feature is currently underway also in Jingman, Matsu and Penghu for people who already completed their registration process. Now According to the news reports, a total of four thousand nine hundred and thirty eight people have so far registered for the system, consisting of three thousand two hundred and seventeen in Jingmen, one thousand seven hundred in Penghu and twenty one in Matsu. So, Ross, obviously, the government is now getting trying to persuade people to register for their appointments for the coronavirus vaccine online, even though there's sort of like a lack of vaccines at the moment.
2: Uh, One wonders, just like the purchase of vaccines why the logistics of vaccination were not arranged a long time ago. And and we've talked about this on your show, Gavin, in the past, months ago, that at some point in time, Taiwan would need to have the uh, logistics set up to vaccinate a large number of people, whether uh, it's in hospitals or or, uh, setting up vaccination sites and also including the booking system. it, it just boggles the mind that whether it's a municipal government, a city government, county government, or the central government, that they're they're scrambling to put this together now that they're testing it, uh, fixing it, you know, dealing with some some of the the kinks. That's not just the central government. There were some local government uh, appointment booking systems that. Didn't go down so well with the public for a variety of, of reasons that it you know, wasn't user friendly, or it's difficult for older folks uh, who might not be that that tech savvy to use these things. They had to run to their their local uh, borough chief, the Lee John, uh, for help. So you know, there's been some coverage about that. Uh, so you know, I'm not going to get excited about uh, an online booking system being created as if it was, as, you know, it's some kind of you know eh, action that saves us from COVID-19 in Taiwan. I mean, it's just a booking system. Uh, Most hospitals had their own Booking systems anyway for uh, visiting the doctor at, the, at larger hospitals. Uh, uh, even some walk-in uh, smaller doctors' offices have online booking systems as well. So th- this just is not really a big deal. Uh, but I, I guess it's a way for the government to say, well, we're you know we're doing everything we can, uh, and they get government-friendly media to promote this and say what a great thing that digital minister uh, Tang has done. But ultimately, this is just a booking system. So I'm not sure why we should get excited or be impressed. And I think we should be questioning why it's only being created now. So,
1: Ralph, do you think the booking system comes a bit late?
0: Mm, I'm a little surprised it came so late. It's not hard to do because as you remember from a year ago, Taiwan did it with a face mask dispensation. They did it pretty effectively and people understood it and respected it. So it stands the reason they can do it again with vaccines. I know it's been really tough before because what still is in most of Taiwan, because you have to just phone away at the hospital or show up and you get told different things. You get bounced around or they don't answer your call or the line's busy. So it's really tough. So they do need something to assure people that if it's their right, if it's their, if they're in the right category, they can, in fact, do it. I think that you know, a lot of these things, you know, the, the shortage of vaccines and the lack of this system point also to another issue, which is that the Taiwan government, you know, perhaps rather passively and unknowing, unwittingly, they just never figured this was going to happen. They figured that quarantines and tracing and border controls were going to solve this problem in, until the very end of COVID. And they were always talking at a higher level they're saying well when this is over we're going to reopen our borders and when this is over we're going to do this with the economy they're always talking as if it was never going to hit taiwan so they never prepared for it
2: well that goes back to the earlier issue which is uh they were hoping they'd have the locally made vaccines to address these issues so that uh they could proceed to opening the borders they could proceed to uh, ending restrictions on in-person activities, et cetera, et cetera, uh, on the back of having the locally made vaccine. Again, it just hasn't happened. Uh, then there were there was a breakdown in in the quarantine system for inbound travelers at the end of April, which then led to the these outbreaks that we've had over the past two months.
1: And four Southeast Asian countries this week issued a joint appeal for migrant workers here in Taiwan to be added to the priority list for coronavirus vaccination. The statement was signed by the representative offices of Thailand, Indonesia, Vietnam and the Philippines. Now, the offices say that cooperation in addressing the health and safety of migrant workers from their countries is important as the vulnerability of those workers could affect the health and social welfare of wider Taiwan population. Now, the statement goes on to say that they're urging the relevant authorities is here to consider prioritising migrant workers in this vaccination programme while also recognising that vaccines given must meet international standards and be administered on a voluntary basis. Now, migrant workers are currently not included in the Central Epidemic Command Centre's 10 category priority list for the coronavirus vaccination. So, Ross, migrant workers, these countries are arguing that they're they're nationals here who work at factories and as caregivers, etc., deserve to be on the priority list.
2: Well, one wonders why uh, they didn't issue this statement earlier, uh, not just during the recent outbreak, but even earlier um, during the global pandemic, to remind the public and the government here in Taiwan about this population. Uh, not a surprise that they're concerned. Uh, it's it's uh, from an economic perspective you do want to prioritize uh, factory workers or, or uh, construction workers, uh, boat crew, for example, fishing fleet crew, uh, because they keep the economy moving, and that's really important. Uh, you know, there was that situation with a small outbreak among uh, foreign labor, factory workers in the tech industry a few weeks ago that you know we were busy talking about for a while. Uh, so. Uh, whether just from, from basic decency or from an economic perspective, or, and of course, from the uh, you know, wider community health perspective, uh, you wouldn't want to deprioritize these populations. I mean, you wouldn't want to make them uh, less eligible than the three of us uh, simply because they're foreign labor. I mean, that, that would be rather inhumane. Uh, and again, uh, whether because they, they keep the economy moving, they take care of sick or older folks it, it, for uh, uh, people who are uh, home health care attendants. Uh, there, there might be some justification for prioritizing uh, these populations. Uh, but I'm not optimistic that's going to happen. I mean, the, uh, the government, of course, is going to feel politically uh, the imperative is to prioritize Uh, citizens and and foreign residents like the three of us and uh, foreign labor, as unfortunately they often do. uh, You know, they're going to be deprioritized.
0: I'm not sure that they really have much of a case. You figure that the jobs these migrant workers do are also done by a lot of Taiwanese who are going to be in very low categories. Um, You have Taiwanese doing, you know, plenty of medical care. You have Taiwanese doing factory work. Um, you know a lot of these jobs, obviously they're you know the migrants are required because they there aren't enough Taiwanese in the labor force for that those types of work. But if you extend to the work, the migrant laborers, you have to extend to the, the locals who are doing the same kind of jobs.
2: Uh, you know, it's just yeah, I would just add this to the list of uh, you know, general concerns about how, how migrant labor are, are treated in Taiwan. Uh, So again, if if they get deprioritized as opposed to equal priority uh, to other foreign residents, I I don't think that that should surprise us. And, And then there's the other issue as well, which is the willingness of employers uh, to make the logistics available, right? We've been discussing the logistics earlier in the show, uh, the logistics of vaccine uh, rollout. Uh, you know, employers need to cooperate and, and hopefully they're, they're not gonna cooperate when, they're, when there's an outbreak among their staff, right? Hopefully they'll cooperate in a way that's proactive and facilitates uh, their staff getting vaccines uh, as soon as possible, of course or as soon as it's available. Uh, But but, employers also need to be willing to take their staff, make it easy for their staff to go to wherever uh, the vaccine will be administered. I I think uh, that's going to be a problem, whether it's just the the individual family that that needs to make a few hours available for their home health care attendant to go to, to a hospital, uh, or it's the factory where they're going to have to arrange the work shifts so that large number of factory staff could can uh, go get their, their vaccination.
1: And you also have this other comment in the joint statement, Ross, that basically said the vaccines must be must meet international standards and be administered on a voluntary basis. Well, there's two issues there. Of course, Taiwan's vaccines at the moment don't actually meet international standards. And there's questions whether if they're released in Taiwan sooner rather than later, will they meet international standards? And of course, then there's the voluntary basis bit. So, I mean, if your your migrant worker doesn't want to be vaccinated, what do you do? Do you fire you axed. do you send the volu- the migrant worker home?
2: Well, uh, we've been talking about this issue with the Taiwan government, hoping that the locally made vaccine would, would be available. Uh, they could use it for the local population. And when I say local population, I mean very broadly. So uh, citizens, foreign residents like the three of us, foreign uh, blue collar labor, home health care labor as well. Uh, so uh, the... the, the uh, Foreign offices, you know, they, they see what's going on. You know, they, they, they're also concerned about this made in Taiwan vaccine uh, being rolled out as the option you have to you have to take or you're going to have to wait for, you know, maybe ever forever to get a foreign vaccine. So they see what's going on. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd, uh, forcing or not forcing. Uh, yeah, Gavin, uh, you, you've identified The issue that they'll they'll probably be sent home then, you know, if 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 the employer wants to require uh, people to be vaccinated, which uh, is is frankly on on weak legal grounds for the rest of us in Taiwan. uh, But uh, for foreign labor, you know, their their ability to protest uh, decisions by employers or work rules that are inconsistent with the law is pretty weak. Uh, So yeah, the end result might be that they'll they'll be sent home, they'll lose their jobs.
0: I was just thinking, I know that the the uh, people like us who are in journalism, we were offered um, a certain category that's not normally correlated with our age or anything to do with nationality. I forget what category it is. I could go check my email, but category seven. Are we seven? Okay. Yeah. And that which is kind of far down the list, but it could be further, I suppose. So at least they're thinking about foreigners and they're thinking about the careers that we're in for what it's worth
1: <laughs> yes anyway talk quickly about foreigners of course there was also a stink this week ross about the price of pcr testing for foreign nationals at some hospitals here apparently it was over 50 percent more than the locals
2: well there have been some reports about about hospitals uh charging higher higher fees uh really not supposed to i mean the the latest fee schedule from the central government uh, it's, it's, it's one fee. I mean, there's a, a speedy test fee or you know, a speedy, be, meaning you get your results back faster. Uh, but the regular fee, uh, at least as announced by the central government. They're the same. And then Taipei City as well. I've, I've spoken with the Taipei City government. At least Taipei City government hospitals are not supposed to be charging different fees either uh, for foreigners and, and uh, citizens. It's supposed to be the same fee, so hopefully we won't see any of this. But yeah, I've seen what's floating around the internet that some hospitals were, were charging uh, different fees, uh, but the ones I saw were outside of Taipei City. Uh, and, and also, the Taipei City government is doing free PCR testing, but that's subject to meeting certain criteria about why you need to, to get the test, and they're doing it at a certain number of hospitals, There's a limited number of slots that have to be booked uh, ahead of time uh, so hopefully this, this, this is not going to be a long-term problem and like i said uh, at least for the central government and taipei city government perspective they're 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 charging the
0: same fees
2: and that's where we'll leave it here this week on taiwan this week
1: and i've been joined on today's show by ralph jennings
0: thanks gavin always a pleasure and by,
1: and by ross feingold have a great weekend and thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of Taiwan This Week here on ICRT with me, Gavin Phipps. And don't forget to check out Taiwan This Week podcast on your favorite podcast app where you can get access to all our previous shows.
0: Tune in again next Friday evening at 9 for another informative look at the tough stories of the week with Taiwan This Week. And don't forget to also check out our podcast on our website, icrt.com.tw. Now keep it here for more music and news only on ICRT FM 100.